Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the fifth in this celebratory mini-series of Let's Talk Money and More. For seven days, I am celebrating not only 12 months of this podcast, but also the inclusion going forward of male guests onto the podcast. In today's episode, I welcome Damien Schechter, who is the owner and founder of RNDR Coaching Systems, a brand that has been built on and is synonymous with helping busy individuals get into the best mental and physical shape of their lives. Damien's core approach to working with clients is to develop a great amount of trust, integrity and accountability throughout their journey together whilst delivering a high level of education to clients that enable them to walk away with all the knowledge needed to continue achieving results for a lifetime. I had the pleasure of meeting Damien in person at a workshop I was invited to run a few months ago by a guest we had on earlier this week, Ollie Carson. Welcome, Damien. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today. I honestly, it's a, like it is a mega privilege to actually be here today because of the amount of respect that I have for you and what you do. And uh, after we connected uh, two months ago, I think it was uh, at Ollie's event, um, just you know to kind of like fast forward and find myself doing this with you, it, it means a lot. So I really appreciate you having me here. Thank you very much. I shall take that compliment in the way that it is intended. So thank you. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? Well, money story. So, um, you know, I think if, if I really just kind of break down, let's say the past decade, you know, of my adulting uh, part of my life, you know, where I've been actively working, being making money. So I'm 30 years old at the moment. So, you know, coming out of school, 18, you know, obviously had a gap year did a bit of traveling, you know, but then started working actively at about 2021, 20, making my own money um, as a personal trainer. You know, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's good now. Uh, this is a good time at least to look back on the past 10 years and say, okay, well, what has your, like your story actually been when it's, when it comes to money? Um, and I don't think I've actually reflected on it as much as I should or could have, or I think most people do. I don't think anyone really says, okay, well, over the past 10 years of you building a career, what's been like the common money theme? So, absolutely, you know, and I, you're the first person to actually ask me that. So, you know, to sit here and really reflect on what the past 10 years have been, I think it's, there's definitely been not any frugality. Like I think when I make money, I like to spend it on things that I do 
do like and enjoy. I'm also not reckless with money. So I don't, the second I get money, it's all of a sudden gone. I do like to save a bit. I do like to spend. I do like to, you know, live within my means as well. I'm not really a flashy person. So I don't like to go and buy expensive, unnecessary things. Um, but I think there's definitely been a massive level of low education when it comes to money. Um, because, you know, I think when you're in school, sure, you get taught economics, you know, there's like an economics class that you have once a day, once every two days, but you know, this is essentially taught by people that don't run their own businesses. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that's one thing that I overheard a while ago. They were like, but your business teacher doesn't own a business. And your art teacher is not actually an artist, you know, and your drama teacher is not necessarily a high paid actor. So, you know, we actually all kind of get taught a lot of these skills from people that don't actually have the firsthand experience of, you know, essentially the careers that you might want to take. This is really not me putting down any of my my tutors or teachers, by the way. They're honestly, they couldn't have done a better job. But I think just going back to the education part, you know, I left school with no education on even how to invoice somebody or even how to pay my taxes. I didn't even know what VAT was up until like five years ago, the first five or six years of my personal training career. I didn't even pay my tax because I just didn't actually have any guidance. I had an accountant, sure, but there was also no education from that perspective. So um, I think if I look at like the past decade, you know, there's definitely been from my side, not enough awareness of how to use my money to make me more money or how to bank my money correctly um, or utilize certain loopholes when it comes to your business and your finances. So, yeah, if I kind of look at where I'm at currently, I'm pretty happy with my income. I'm pretty happy with how I do spend my money because, as I said, I'm not reckless, but I would say that there's been like a level of insecurity almost when it comes to how to actually manage uh, my money, if I can put it like that. And would you say that your your attitude towards money, your relationship with money, would you say that has come from your parents? A hundred percent. Like if I look at my dad was a very generous person. Um, let's just say it like that. You know, he would take us on holiday more than once a year, you know, go and explore the world. So I think that's where I get a lot of my, that's where I like to spend money is experiences, is traveling. Um, so if you really had to kind of look at my bank accounts and see, okay, where was this money spent? That's in foreign currency, maybe in the UK, or maybe, uh, you know, traveling around to Greece or Turkey. So you know, these are definitely traits that, you know, from a an expenditure perspective, I, I got from my dad. I've also got, you know, the smarter, more, uh, let's say, someone who's more conservative on the spending money aspect is from my mom, uh, you know, so definitely, that's where I got taught uh, a lot of my current uh, habits, you know, when it comes to saving and to uh, to spending. But I think growing up, there was never any worry about money. So my dad always provided, even if he was under stress to provide, um, there was never any, I think he was also smart. He was definitely somewhat frugal to an extent, like if you can get it cheaper, go get it cheaper. Um, for me, sometimes I don't really carry that approach. I'm like, you know what, the most expensive is the best. Um, because that's also kind of how I look at myself with my 
my service, my coaching service is, you know, I offer a premium service and I offer, I, I charge a premium rate for it. Um, so I know that, you know, if someone's going to speak with conviction to me about me buying into their service or their products, I'm like, great, I'll spend the cash. So I think that's where I definitely do differ because there were also sometimes if I look at how my dad was, you could either go and spend a lot on something or you could go to the Chinese shop and get it, get it right. And so that was the thing is that like, then there would be things from the Chinese shop that then wouldn't work or would stop working or wouldn't be good quality. Um, and so I think it's through that, that I'm like, I'm not going to go that route. I would rather spend X, Y, and Z, which sometimes is good. Sometimes it's also not good. Sometimes you don't need to spend uh, so much money on something, but I would definitely say from my childhood, uh, and, and my upbringing with my parents, hundred percent, that's definitely where it was installed. And are there aspects of, of your relationship with money that you would like to change or are actively working on to change? hundred thousand percent there are definitely some things that i would love to change i think um where my where my my difficulties uh come from in terms of like managing money is maybe just not spending enough time to understand money right like that's and i think i'll just kind of like delve into that a little bit deeper what i mean is that you know, there are so many resources out there and there are so many people like such as yourself. There's so many people that that really do know what they're doing. And it's kind of like me taking a step back and saying, well, I'm a fitness coach and I know what I'm doing. And, you know, I would expect someone to reach out to me if they wanted to change their, uh, their body and their health and their fitness. And I think I've just not done enough of the reaching out from a, a money perspective. I've reached out from a business coaching perspective, so how I can market myself better. I've reached out to uh, TMP from a, a mindset coaching perspective. I've also reached out to uh, a fitness coach who does a lot of my programming for my own personal fitness and training. Um, but I've not reached out to a credible person that deals with money and can actually give me the right advice and guidance that I think yeah, it's essential. You need a mentor to equip you with the tools that you do not have. Uh, and I think that's maybe the one thing during school, during education, uh, you know, even when I went to go study personal training, there's no module on how to become a business owner in the fitness industry and be smart with your money. Because the reality is a lot of personal trainers, if I, without offending anyone, the, the reality is that, you know, we're personal trainers because we're not good with finances, we're good with physical fitness, right? So, mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden, expecting someone who's really good at physical fitness, who's done lots of bodybuilding shows and photo shoots, and you've been a brand ambassador to lots of fitness uh, brands, how can you expect this person to all of a sudden, through all of that, now equip themselves with a money mindset education? It's it, it never happened for me, at least. So I think definitely the one thing I need to work on is sticking my hand up um, and and actually asking for the right help. And I think. That is very true, though, for, you know, for all majority, probably better than they say all the majority of entrepreneurs, business owners, we can get into a mindset that we should be able to do it all. We should be able to have all the skills as well as the core skill that we are selling rather than actually recognizing, you know, in, in corporates, you are put into silos. You're either in sales or you're in marketing or you're in product development or you're in finance. And therefore, 
you don't need to have that entire skill set. It is about the the outreach as a business owner, as an entrepreneur to say, well, actually, I'm bloody good at this, but I'm not quite so good at that. And therefore, I'm going to find out who I should connect with, get a recommendation, reach out and actually form a relationship with somebody who can support me in those particular areas. What do you think is stopping you right now from doing that outreach? I think it's when you're trying to wear too many hats, right? And you think that you can get away with it, Um, especially in the fitness coaching industry, you know, everything that you've just mentioned there, like the marketing, the sales, you know, the outreach, the accounting, like, you know, when you are a fitness entrepreneur, I don't think you ever foresee that you're going to have to wear all these hats. I certainly didn't. When I started personal training at 21 years old, I did personal training for nine years. I was bodybuilding at the time. I had lots of credibility of, you know, getting lots of clients, you know, through me just having a good physique. That was it. That was my, that was the marketing. Um, You know, fast forward 10 years after building that credibility, after having worked with literally thousands of people, um, you know, then COVID happened. And all of a sudden I had to take all these clients online. So now it's how do you delegate things online? How do I pervade this world-class service that I'm so used to doing in person? But now I have to become a techie. Now I have to spend time on a computer. Like now I need to actually learn a lot of these tools. So I think it, it, if you are an online coach that comes from a personal training background, it's a huge adjustment where you're bombarded with a lot of these hats that you have to wear. And one of them is obviously your invoicing, is your financing, is paying your is still paying your tax like you would as a PT, but you know, to even understand how you can write things off from a different perspective now. You know, you're not just writing clothing off because you're wearing it, you know, to go and personal train people, but you've got equipment that you're investing in, you've got mentorship that you're investing in, you've got uh applications that you're paying on a monthly subscription. And there's so many different things that all of a sudden frazzle you out. I, I'll admit, like beginning of this year, I got extremely burnt out. This was the first time that I sat there and like fucking cried my eyes out because I felt so stuck and I had absolutely like nobody to really like kind of get me out of that. You know, sure. I had Ollie and I did have, you know, a few people within my industry that I could speak to, but the reality is they're also stuck in front of computers. They're also wearing all these hats. So, you know, how do I really pull myself out of that stress and that anxiety was getting the right people on board with me. And so this is when I reached out to uh, like Kieran from Total Mental Performance, you know, from a a mindset perspective to help me out. This is where I reached out to Joe Parrish to help me, you know, from a a fitness and training perspective. So I didn't have to worry too much about that. Going back to your question of, you know, what stopped me from, you know, maybe consolidating, let's say now the accounting and the finances perspective of that. I was speaking with Ollie about this and, you know, I'm pretty transparent about it. I like to do my own invoicing. Uh, I like to make sure that every invoice that is sent out is personally done by me. I don't do subscriptions. So even though all my clients are on subscriptions, I like to be the one that's sending that out so that I know it's sent. I know that I can follow up with that person. And I know that if they haven't paid, I'm on top of it and not the Stripe system or the app or whatever the case is. Um, that obviously takes time. It obviously takes time to follow up with people when they don't pay. And that I think also causes a little bit of a stress 
you know, and you don't want to have those conversations with people, not because I'm insecure about having money conversations, but because other people are generally quite, they want to tiptoe around the topic of money, you know, and to have to say to someone, hey, look, your invoice is two weeks late, unpaid. Um, then you, they start getting despondent. Then they stop replying. Then it's all of a, it becomes this really uncomfortable thing, which yeah. I think through you actually at Ollie's event, like I, I realized you don't need to be uncomfortable with it. And, you know, the way that I realized that is because I was in a room full of people that I all thought had their shit going on. Like I was like, these, these are all the, the best people that I know in the industry. I'm sitting in a room with all of them. That is unbelievable. And then we do this activity where all of a sudden we're finding out about what the general consensus and feeling is about money. And I realized, whoa, there's no reason for me to be insecure about this at all. But 99% of the clients that I work with have not gone through an experience like that. They've not gone through, you know, a discussion, an open discussion, a transparent discussion that money is just this this thing that like we and it's the word it's actually just the word that freaks us out i don't know who i listened to the other day where they said just read it backwards and then you'll and then it won't make sense if you read the word money backwards it won't make sense of which then all that emotive like attachment that you that you put to the word it actually disappears when you realize that it's just letters it's just words so um, but going back to the, uh, the topic of why I've not consolidated it, I think it's just because I'm stuck. If I can just be completely dead honest with you, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think you want to maintain such a stronghold on because it is money, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it is m- maybe the most important factor of running a business. And I think when you want to really kind of like grip onto that and hold onto that and not trust someone else with that. Um, yeah, it stops you from making the move. But the reality is that like I'm not holding on to it and, and giving or giving giving it to someone else. I'm just saying, hey, this is the advice that I actually need. And I think that's where yeah, I've uh, I've maybe struggled to kind of like let go of let go of that responsibility. And you know, very often I think that is the last thing that a business owner does let go of. Um, you know, it it is recognizing that actually what the reason why most businesses fail is not because the business owner is not brilliant at the core service or core product they offer. It's because other people don't pay them on time. And that accumulation of not being paid on time, therefore, the one aspect a lot of people feel they want to control is the flow and payment in of those invoices. But the the downside of that is you can only scale and really grow when you are working on and not sorry working in no working on and not in <laughs> so working on but not in your business and if managing the invoices at the moment is so emotionally important to you then that can be a limiting factor in terms of being able to scale not to grow it's 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 not a, it's not a factor in not being able to grow necessarily but it can be a factor in terms of learning to scale for sure and you know if i look at giving responsibility over to others for example i've got a graphic designer who does my graphic design i've got someone that's doing my website I'm, I'm, you know, I I do have people doing things for me that if I had to sit there and try and learn how to use Photoshop and put these 
extravagant designs together. And that would take me even further away from being able to scale, right? So I definitely do understand that there's a, a huge importance on handing responsibilities over to other people so that I can actually pull myself out of the business and focus on driving it forward instead of, as you say, being stuck in the business. Yeah. Um, because, you know, then you're not really giving a lot of time, effort or energy to the bigger picture. You're focusing on these small things and these small things add up to a lot of time that gets spent. You know, I can spend a whole afternoon sending out invoices or following up with people. And then all of a sudden there's an emotive like connection to to these invoicing because why is this not being paid? Fuck, well, this is not being paid after five days. You know, there's there's thoughts of, okay, well, should I then automate email responses or or like email reminders um, for someone that in a week you are going to receive an invoice and this needs to please be paid on time. But, you know, if I just hand that responsibility over to someone else, that's their job. That's what they're good at. That's, that's it. You know, yeah. I don't have to stress about sending emails now and following up with people. But yeah, I, I definitely, now that like I'm speaking about it and obviously it's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, you need to act on this immediately because I can definitely see that it does cause a bit of, yeah, a bit of stress, you know, yeah. and it's uh, it's an unnecessary stress. Absolutely. And I think for, you know, for lots of people, you know, when it comes to to the money side of, you know, of their business, it can be the one side that they want to kind of almost, you know, bury their head in the sand and kind of go, well, yeah, it's important, but it's not my core activity. My core activity, you know, in your case, is your, is your personal training clients, but it's only when it potentially either becomes a problem or becomes an actual solution will they actually then find the motivation and very often very often the only way we learn about money is when it becomes a problem and we have to learn from our mistakes I I don't know if there's anybody really who goes yeah I'm sorted about money because I read a book so I've not ever had a single problem I read a book it's more that sorry what was that when should I be adding it when should I be paying it how much should I be paying it's because you had a reminder from the tax man that your income threshold is now over a certain point etc etc and then shit I haven't actually put any of that money aside. I haven't charged that client that. I've got, I, 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 that is too familiar. <laughs> you're like, you literally, like, how funny is this? So I was living in the Netherlands and, you know, the Netherlands has got a 21% uh, bat uh, on everything, right? But that's only Netherlands to Netherlands, right? Like, if I've got a Dutch uh, Dutch registered company, I can only charge 21% to people that are in the Netherlands, Right. But 90% of my clients are not from the Netherlands. They are from Australia, from Switzerland, from South Africa. And here I was for the first year of my coaching, charging every single person 21% bat. And it took one of my clients in South Africa to be like, hey, dude, why are you charging me that? And I'm like, what do you mean? That's the VAT rate. He's like, yeah, but I'm in South Africa. You shouldn't be charging me anything for that matter. I was like, um, okay, yeah, let me just, uh, I'll, let me get back to you on that one. You know, I'm not too sure. I called my accountant. She's like, no, you shouldn't be doing that at all. I was like, what? Like, no one sat here and explained this to me. Like, nobody, right? So, obviously, then when it came to submitting my tax, 
that had a huge difference between what I'm paying as a business, what I'm paying personal. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, like, I, yeah, essentially that that's really set me back by a few months, you know, and, and not just like financially where like, oh, okay, well now I'm really in trouble. I definitely wasn't in trouble because of that, but it just meant that I had to sit back and actually kind of understand the system a little bit more, um, which I still don't, you know, I like, I, that's why I employed really good accountants and they're actually really good at what they do. You know, I submit everything that I, that I earn, that I spend, um, you know, what these invoices are from Dutch to Dutch accounts, uh, what are the rest from an international perspective. And then they give me the numbers. They just tell me what I owe and what I do not owe. But that doesn't do justice to, let's say, my expenditure, right? Because like, I think when you're spending, so like, I know exactly how much I need to pay from a tax perspective based on what I earn. Great. That's a percentage. Cool. But you start spending money on this. You start traveling for this. You start, you know, when you do travel, eating out. What is deductible? What's not deductible? What, you know, can I put through as a business expense? These are all things that like, no, there is nobody teaching me this. And so I have to wait until my quarterly, uh, you know, submission to get that feedback, get that education from my accountant. So, yeah, it's definitely not something that we learned in school which no. is frustrating yeah no I totally agree with you and you know and it was you know a, ve- a very very valid comment with regards to you know economics and business studies are being taught by employed people who have never run a business and actually you can't I don't think teach the nuts and bolts of running a business purely from a theoretical perspective Excellent. Yeah, you can't. You, you. It has got to be that that applied learning through doing it, basically. Yeah, yeah. I've learned more from stuffing up than reading a book. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, totally agree with you. And I don't even feel like I've stuffed up yet. Like that's the thing is, I, I haven't found myself in a, a dire straits like scenario where I'm thinking, oh no, like this, it's all or nothing. I'm either going to lose my house or my this and that. I'm not going to be able to eat. Like. I haven't found myself in that position yet. And like, I'm not saying, oh, well, I'm, in, I'm inviting it with open arms, right? Can I say, but, can you touch wood as you say that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. my hand's on the table, but I, it's not like I'm inviting it, right? But I don't even feel like I've really like kind of hit that wall where it's like, oh, fuck, now I'm really forced to like, you know, have to learn absolutely everything. It's more just like, I think even a luxury at some point to be able to be equipped with those tools and that knowledge because- yeah, I like I know that I need it. Um, but I think I'm also just in a very comfortable position where things are just operating yeah. and things are moving forward without me starving, that I then have now not actually prioritized going over and above to learn more about taxes, yeah. finances, etc. And you know, and it can very often be on, you know, on that needs to know basis. You know, what what's really interesting, you know, at the point of us recording this podcast today, um, I noticed that Mark Zuckerberg had to send out an email this morning to all his employees saying, you know, apologies, but I've made a mistake, and that mistake has me has meant ten thousand of you are gonna lose your jobs. And Unreal. he will be clearly berated for that i am not the biggest fan of facebook not least because my account got hacked a few weeks ago and they wouldn't give me 
my account back. So I've wow. lost my account now. And and at that point in time, I didn't actually believe anybody did work for Facebook at all, other than Mark Zuckerberg, because trying to get hold of anybody is impossible. True. But Mark Zuckerberg is probably a really good example you know, of somebody who started a little cottage industry while he was at university, had a great idea. It grew to be a bigger idea and then grew to be something absolutely massive. And he was just learning as he was going until he's tried something and it hasn't worked. And yeah. it's, you know, resulted in a big lot of learning, not just for him, but for those people who are going to to lose their job yeah, as a sure. result. But I think what a lot of people don't appreciate, if you are not a business owner, if you are not an entrepreneur and you you have chosen or it's been chosen for you, you know, to be employed, actually, just like being a parent, there isn't that manual. You don't get presented that manual that says, this is how you run a business. This is how you're an entrepreneur. This is how to be a perfect parent. And no mistakes will happen because they're covered in that handbook. It's usually only when you make that mistake, can you then go and find somebody to help either to undo that mistake or in some way reduce the impact of that mistake. Sure, for sure. I think while we're speaking about CEOs, there's, I don't know if you're familiar with someone called Ben Francis and the brand Gymshark. Yes, yes. So, I, knew, I knew the name, yes. Yeah, so like brilliant strategic move that he made was that he started Gymshark from his garage. He was printing these t-shirts in his garage like as a teenager, right? And you know, the company has gone on to, I'm literally, I'm, I'm sitting here wearing Gymshark, you know, like the company has gone on to make billions, but strategically, this one hands over the role of CEO to someone who knows more, hands over the roles to people that have got the credibility to run a company because he wasn't equipped with the certain tools and education to, you know, reach that dream, reach that goal of making it a multi-billion dollar company. He's rivaling Nike. Like that's insane for a company that's less than 10 years, well, is 10 years old to be on that level where they've got shops in the high street in, in, in London, like it's actually unbelievable, but it wouldn't have gotten to that point if he didn't actually hand over the role to someone else. Right. And so that's a prime example of handing over and delegating responsibilities to people and reaching up, putting your hand up and saying like, I don't know enough about this, but I think where a lot of mistakes also can be made, and this is maybe a mistake that I've made, and I'm learning without it being too much of an aggressive uh, lesson being taught, is that if you do not have all the hats, try not, don't try wear them. Like I don't know enough about certain, you know, areas of body composition or performance, and therefore I don't go there. You know, if someone said to me, Damien, I love what you do. I really, I think you're absolutely phenomenal. I want you to help me get better at doing a 500 meter sprint. I'm going to say, dude, I'm not your guy um, because I focus on body recomposition and getting people into great shape, not running a 500 meter sprint. So, you know, I think it's, it's just really important that you kind of take a step back and you realize like, what are you capable of? What are you not capable of? Um, and hand that responsibility over. 
Like that's any any successful person will tell you hand that responsibility over. Yeah. So you're going to hand over the responsibility for your invoicing. Uh, 110%, 110% <laughs> I will though, because like I think also it's become, it's great to have that involvement, but it also, if I look back on the other side of the coin and I say, yeah, but there is a little bit of stress. There is a little bit of time that you're spending on it. Sure, you don't have to automate it, but at least employ someone to do it once a week, you know, or have it on a retainer basis. That might just be a good option. Um, but I do like having these conversations with with people. You know, it's not like I love having the conversation that makes someone else feel insecure about why they don't want to pay the invoice, why they haven't paid the invoice. But I feel like it's more growth on my side yeah. to have these conversations because that's what sets you apart from other people is like, that's where people would shy away from. They don't want to have that conversation about money. Like I'll be very transparent about like how much money I have, how much money I don't have. I'm not, I'm definitely not a millionaire, but I'm also not flat broke. I also don't know absolutely everything about how to manage money, but I also am not stupid. Like, so, you know, I, I'm in a place of growth and I feel like having these conversations, it, it goes beyond just the topic of money. It goes more towards understanding people and how they feel and you pick up you pick up things from different people when you have these conversations that are all kind of a common theme almost you know mm-hmm. and is it money or is it you not getting the perceived value that I'm offering you know if we can look at that then I can look at myself here and I can actually say well how can I provide more value so you know it's yeah the money topic is actually a really nice door to open sometimes because it becomes quite self-reflective even if they're the ones that are not paying or they're not paying on time you might be the reason why they're reluctant to pay so then also take a look at yourself here and say okay are they getting the value if they're not let me have that value conversation with them about how i can actually level up my service to make them want to buy in again so yeah it's a it's a conversation that I actually need to have this afternoon uh, with somebody. So it doesn't really bother me that much. You know, I'm human. And it's, but it's, it's very good to have that level of self-awareness, though, to recognize, you know, that having that conversation is not a one-way street. It isn't just based on your perception of why you need to have the conversation. And that can be why so many people find the whole conversation about money difficult because they are placing their own expectation, their own reasons why somebody hasn't paid or why somebody, how somebody is going to respond to that conversation or what the outcome is going to be of that conversation. If you go into it with less attachment to the result, doesn't mean you don't want the result, but less attachment to it and go in to listen, go in to understand, and then actually see almost a, you know, a to see the human behind the invoice, the human behind the amount, and what their reasons are for saying yes to your service, no to your service, not paying on time, what's going on for them, et cetera, et cetera. That does allow you to have a much more productive conversation for sure i look i've i've had some pretty rough conversations like in my career about paying and some of them have definitely been more so on my side like you know kind of having to take a look back and say okay but this person was actually really unhappy and that's why they didn't want to pay or they wanted their money back 
um, before you go and put blame on them and you say, well, you didn't do your, you didn't do your job, right? Because I think it's also very important in the fitness coaching industry that, you know, sure, you're paying me for a certain result, but I don't deliver the result. You have to work for the result, right? And so, you know, let's say we enter, and I had this issue two days ago, and I spoke with Ollie about this, is, you know, let's say you invest quite a quite a substantial amount of money and you don't do the work, right? I can I can tick all my boxes. I can say, hey, look, I followed up with you. You needed to fill out a weekly check-in form. You needed to book in your weekly check-in call with me. Um, when you didn't do either of those, then I dropped you a message. You know, I'm making sure that things are being tracked, but they're not being tracked. Um, you know, so from a coaching perspective, I make sure that I tick all my boxes and I will always go over and above. And I'm happy to have any client that's even listening to this right now, like attest to that, you know, is that um, I'm really passionate about what I do and I love it. And I've been doing it for 10 years, you know, and I think people don't last in any industry for that long if there's not a certain level of passion uh, behind what you're doing. You can't last 10 years doing something if it's just yeah. about money. Um, and so, you know, I had someone who was really just super fucking pissed off and they wanted their money back. I thought, okay, before I enter this com this conversation, because it's going to be a conflict, like I can try and be as nice as possible, but this person is standing in their conviction that I didn't provide the value, that they are not happy with the service. And, you know, whatever I say is, it's not going to actually change how they feel. So before I actually <laughs> state facts here, let me just take a moment back and see, okay, were there any boxes that I didn't tick? Was there actually something that I was responsible for from a communications perspective, programming, feedback, you know, any communications? Um, and then I saw, okay, you know what? I'm actually, I've ticked all my boxes. Like I, I know that I have also the system that I use, the way in which I communicate. It's worked for hundreds of people. I don't need to actually sit here and try and find problems when there are none. Yeah. You did not do the work. That's the bottom line. And so that's where I stay fact and I say, okay, cool. Um, this is why you actually did not get the value that you came for, you know? Um, but I think it's really important that if there are ever any grievances or there are any conversations with money, that it has to be a reflective process as well. Because, you know, if I'm not going, if I'm going to completely ignore something that I've done wrong and I'm going to, then that's putting blame on you. Right. And that's, I, and I don't want to ever put blame on like the last thing I'm going to do is put blame on a client. Um, but I think it has to be a two way street here. You have to be reflective with it. And I, I love that because it shows real self value from your perspective, but also valuing the client as well. Because I think there can be a tendency if your relationship with money is not where it needs to be. Actually, as you know, it's a reflection of your lack of self-worth and self-value. And in those instances, the last thing you want to do is to have a conversation with a client about it because you don't want them to potentially, as far as you're concerned, be reinforcing your lack of value. 100%. Yeah. Whereas he, was, he was saying things, he was saying things to me that had I not had that level of awareness for myself, I would have taken seriously, seriously negatively. Like, you know, to say, Damien, that's really poor form that you're thinking only about the money. And, you know, like, this is really unprofessional of you. Like, sure, if I didn't have that self-awareness where I reflected on, 
Have I provided the value that I said I was going to provide on that call that we had on the first day? And then we had a run-through call. So we spoke for two hours about the level of service and what I was going to do and what you were going to do. You know, had I not reflected on a lot of this and said, okay, I've covered my ass, I've covered my bases, I've done my absolute best here. If I didn't have that conversation with myself and then I had someone saying, you're unprofessional, you didn't give me the value that I wanted, you promised and underdelivered. These are all things that were said to me the other day. And honestly, I read that and I said, nah, man, I, sorry, you're not going to make, you're not going to guilt trip me here. You're not going to make me feel bad because I know what I've done and what I've not done. And I know that what I do do works with 99.9. You can't please everybody. No, you like, that's okay. That's fine. That's business. Most businesses please less people than they do more people and they still thrive um, because they're focusing on the amount of people that actually are doing the do and doing the work and, and yeah. following through. Um, you know, retention is great, sure, but you know, each industry has a very different level of retention. And, and sometimes, you know, not every business model is catered towards every client. And this was just what the one percent that I've unfortunately worked with that was not happy, but at the same time. This is why I have a promise and agreement form, getting you to promise me that you will do X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, I know that I've done my ABCs, but his X, Y, and Zs weren't followed through with. Um, and it was a self-reflective comment that was made from him, you know. So you're, you're putting a lot of this on me, saying that I didn't provide value. But in reality, that's actually a very self-reflective thing that you're saying because you didn't actually do the work, but you don't want to take responsibility, responsibility. for it at all. Um, but I definitely think that these are the emotions that, you know, don't get spoken about in the fitness industry. These are the conversations that don't get had. Um, and I think that that definitely had I not maybe committed to some level of growth over the past year to look at myself for answers, I most probably would have been pretty beaten up by some of the things that he would have said to me. Um, but yeah, you have to have those conversations with yourself. It's like, it's so, so important. Absolutely. And I think that, it, and that, you know, that is why in the work that I do, you know, I will always say, as you know, because you'll have heard this, that our relationship with money is actually nothing to do with the money. It's our relationship with ourselves that in turn gets reflected by our relationship with money. And once we have a greater awareness of the value that we are bringing, and our conversation about our pricing and our invoicing, et cetera, et cetera, reflects that value, everything else becomes so, so easy because you are not thinking, should I be discounting? Should I not be charging? Should I just be letting that unpaid invoice go? No, when you've got the, all the value built in correctly at each point in that conversation, it's a no-brainer then. It's a comfortable conversation, at least for you. Not necessarily yeah. comfortable for the person on the other end, but you can't control their thoughts and feelings, their sense of value, you can only do it for you. So you have just beautifully illustrated that there. So what I'd like to ask you now is you, you've been in business coming on for 10 years, as you've said. Yeah. What what would you say are the major lessons that you have learned in that 10-year journey? When it comes to money, 
or wider. You know, the podcast, Let's Talk Money and More. So it doesn't have to be specifically money. Biggest lesson. Like, um, wow. Okay. No one's asked me that either. I I, I did actually an Instagram post a few weeks ago on on like the three biggest things that I've learned as a PT. But I think if I'm just going to look at it from a business perspective or as a just an overview of the past 10 years, um, I'm going to relate this to money and to business because I think that's the one thing that I do kick myself over and over and over is just saying, start saving young, like start saving. That's one thing that I did not do um, and start investing. Like these are things that I really, you know, I've lived life to the fullest. Like I'm not going to negate that. Like I've taken my money and I've traveled. I've gone to Thailand. I've gone to Greece. I've gone like really, I'm not I've not held back on living a good life. I'm not someone who is flashy where, hey, let's go and have a Lamborghini in Dubai and spend three grand on accommodation somewhere for the night. Like, um, But definitely, I think a lot of my current emotions that are related to where I'm at in life, and I'm 30 now, um, I think we always want to be further than where we are. And I think looking at where I'm at now, I would have loved a little bit more stability in my pocket. Um, if I can say, you know what, like, sure, you know what, you want to actually go and start a, do a startup? Cool. Like there's, there's this really good idea. And do you have the, do you have the, the loan from the bank? Do you have the credibility to get that loan? Or if you don't get the loan, do you actually have the money in the bank to, to front it yourself? You know, um, I think because of my lack of education and because of, you know, me just going at such a pace where it was, Client, client. At one point, I had 12 clients in a day, you know, 13 clients in a day. And so, you know, you're on the floor for 12, 13 hours. You get up at 4.30 in the morning, first client's 5.30. You get home at 9.30 in the evening. You know, you're not even getting enough sleep to, like, facilitate the right amount of energy. But for me, that's fine. I was lasting on adrenaline for a lot of the time. And, yeah, sure, there was definitely a lot of burnout. So I think that would maybe be my second biggest thing to anyone that's listening in like in my industry at least um manage that burnout because i know 80 percent of people that are in this industry are burning themselves out and it doesn't have to be 12 clients on the floor every single day it could be five clients but then you training cardio and then training weights in the evening and so from an energy perspective you're burning yourself out burnout is such a real thing i studied burnout last year uh, as part of like just an extracurricular uh, education for my life coaching and uh, burnout is so real. Like it is so, it's one thing that I didn't realize I had. And that's one thing actually that I would say manage the burnout because after eight, nine, 10 years of doing something and not realizing that you have this issue, it really catches up with you Um, and it kills your motivation, you know? So I think that where I was burning out and not spending enough time or energy on developing my awareness, my education um, financially led me then to never consolidating any of that. So I never saved. I never uh, I never banked any cash. I never invested anything. Um, I put a bit of money into Bitcoin and luckily I pulled my Bitcoin out on the 31st of, 20, of December 2017, which was like a week before I think that whole crash happened. So I was like, sick, cool, got my money. Yeah. Like, that's it, I'm done. Um, but that was like the furthest that I ever, and that wasn't even calculated. That was just me like getting on the train as everyone else did, right? So yeah, I think the most important thing would 
would be to kind of look at over the past 10 years, I wish that I'd invested. I wish that I'd really built up that that level of understanding when it came to anything financially and just sticking with one thing at least and repeating that, you know, instead of getting lost in trying to invest and save and this and then do a million different things, it was just what's the one thing that I could have done and just made sure that I stuck with that, you know, because things could definitely be different now for sure. And maybe in a better way, maybe in a worse way. I think sometimes the more money you have, the more problems you have. Um, if you don't have the right mindset attached to that, right? So it really is a bit of a full circle thing here where I wish I did have more money, but more so more of a mindset actually on money, which yeah, that's and, and that have. that is the big thing, actually. It it is the mindset without a shadow of a doubt. So the obvious question from there then is what do you wish to be able to achieve over the next 10 years? So you're having this conversation with me in right. 10 years' time. You're saying on the podcast, Leslie, I'm now 40. Yeah. What will you be saying? Oh, that's great. Because I've spent so much of this year reflecting on, on what I want for the next 10 years. Um, as I mentioned, when we saw each other at the Upgrade to Premium, I did something called Self-Authoring by Jordan B. Peterson. And that was really just the, it was future authoring. So it was what I want in the next six months, two years, five years, 10 years. Um and the most important thing, like through that, there were three three main goals for me uh, and three things that I'm chasing at the moment. And the first was to interact and surround myself with successful people only. That's it. Is like, I love my friends. I love a lot of my family. And, you know, sure, a lot of them are not, uh, I'm not really speaking so much about my family here, but I'm speaking more so about my, my previous social circle. Is that you know? There's not a lot of motivation. They're not. They're not really highly massively driven, successful people. Um, but they're all good at what they do, and they all enjoy what they do. But for me, it's more so that I want to hang around and now going forward, just interact with people that have, that I aspire to be like and aspire that as I, you know, when I see Oli, for example, and I just you know I know that he's also maybe got his own stresses and things that you know go on in his yeah. life but when I see the level of oh, just how like honestly how good he is with people firstly and you know how much he cares and how much he puts into his business that for me is success yeah I don't look at the success from a monetary perspective that's so irrelevant it's more of the impact that you make on other people's lives so that was my first thing uh was definitely hang around successful people um 10 years from now the second one would have been to actually have a, a fully functioning uh, body composition and recomposition gym uh where we've got about five to ten personal trainers that are all going through the same education system so that's a very standardized approach we're not bringing in too many different people with different levels of expertise it's this is the service offering this is what we do we're great at it um, and we have an in-house education system so that's going to be Hopefully in the next five years, actually, I'm not even going to say 10 years from now. So I think through that, there'll be a lot of learning curves and there'll be a lot of people that I'm going to have to pull into the business to to consolidate different areas of its growth because I don't know anything about uh, fire, fire systems and uh, irrigation and all those things, right? So just like, you know, you don't know anything about that. You also don't know much about the business acumen side of things. So yeah. def definitely get someone on board, uh, on board there. Um, and then the third... Oh, the third one was was educate myself on more than just like business. So it would actually be more so trying different things that are outside my scope and trying things that are not within the fitness and, and health realm um, and just collecting a lot of like 
different experiences and different uh you know ways of doing things and you know maybe more traveling and maybe more you know trying things that are so out of my comfort zone to actually see if this is what i i want to actually be doing right because i got involved in this when i was yeah my dad started training me in the gym at 16 i never wanted to be a personal trainer i still you know we would go and train and then i would go and get drunk with my friends that, that <laughs> afternoon you know like this was never the this was never the thing for that me that was balance though balance at 16 <laughs> like yeah, if anything yeah. you should spend at 16 you should sometimes spend more time drinking than you should like like it's it was, you know but then it got to like serious 19 20 then i competed at 21 i won my first show and then i won again and then it, it kind of it, you know and then i thought oh well i'm really good at this um let me study personal training but you know did i really actually have any of my 20s to kind of sit back and say well is this really actually what you wanted to do or is this what you fell into so I think a lot of, you know, what I'm after at the moment is definitely to continue experiencing new things and trying new things and actually seeing, hey, is there another, like, like life is a fork, right? And you can like go so many, like there's so many different directions. And so just don't want to get stuck in, uh, you know, in just robotically doing the same thing all the time. Um, and you know what, this is the goal for sure, opening the gym, being around successful people, becoming synonymous with body recomposition and getting people in shape. That's my passion. That's my, that's my calling. I, I absolutely love it. But there's so many different things in life that I could incorporate into that and so many different perspectives that I could, uh, you know, bring in and actually say, okay, well, you know, maybe I want to go more on the holistic health approach, or maybe I want to go on some more of the bodybuilding approach, you know? So still trying to kind of figure that out. And I think one thing that Ollie says, uh, you know, is, is date the niche, don't marry it. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at at the moment, you know, and it's, uh, it's an exciting, it's an exciting journey. So 10 years from now, I would love to be sitting here saying, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I didn't know anything about my finances and my taxes and all these, because you know what, just like, you learn about healthy food and just like you learn about what the right exercise is like that's your health aspect of your life and in life you have your health you've got your family and relationships you've got your finances yeah. right like these are all easily learnable things and, it, and holistic, you know, once you have that all sorted holistically that is when you can have that self-reflection of yeah I, I'm here I'm I'm, in, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm going to enjoy the growth that comes and uh, a life of regret if there ever was you know regret gets left behind because you're moving in the way with the people doing the things that you want to and enjoy and not necessarily always chasing after the next thing, but looking forward to what For follows sure. next as well. For sure. Yeah. And I think being, you know, having the finances working on your side for that and like having that peace of mind and that clarity when it comes to your finances, it makes doing things so much easier and so much more enjoyable instead of saying, oh, well, fuck, I've just paid for these flights or this hotel. Oh, now when we get there, now I actually have to really watch my money. But then you get there and, and I'm speaking from personal experience here is that then you get there, right? And sorry, and then, and uh, all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm here, I'm on holiday. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to spend the money. I'll worry about it later. Then you get back home and it's like, oh, shit. Like now... I'm in trouble. The ghost like, of Christmas oh, past or the holiday, the ghost of holiday past. Like, yeah. yeah. Now I'm actually going, like I've dedicated the next three weeks to actually seeing friends that have flown in from X, Y, and Z. 
obviously I have to take them out and go for dinner. And, you know, that's when like this, this underlying level of like anxiety, stress, and I'll be dead honest, it can lead to depression. It can lead to yeah. real insecurity and it can, and I know that 99% of people that I know are dealing with this, like, and nobody is talking about it and nobody is being, and it's a simple conversation. Like it really is. Like I can tell you firsthand, I've had seriously bad parts of this year because of money, because I've actually sat there and allowed it to stress me out. And was it really stressful? Because I was actually making quite a lot, but it was my relationship with chasing money. I was chasing it, right? And so what did that lead to? That led to neglect of other areas of my life. Once I started neglecting other areas of my life because I became so focused on trying to make money and make sure that I was financially secure, what happens? My relationship fucked up. Like, you know what I mean? That like, honestly, chasing business all the time destroyed my relationship with someone. And then having to kind of recoup from that and try and figure that whole process out on its own. Yeah, dude, you maybe should have just had a bit of a better mindset when it came to your work and your business. Yeah. Um, And I think like that's the learning curve for the future, right? Is that like, yeah, you can either choose to stay there and not equip yourself and then this can happen again and then it can snowball or you can just take a few steps back, say, okay, learning curve, not the end of the world. Now I need to actually regroup and and yeah, kind of refill the uh, refill the tank, but with more knowledge and education. And that's just it, I think, you know, mindset, you know, is everything. And I think you've just demonstrated that. So how can people connect with you, Damien? Legendary. So um, you can find me on Instagram. Firstly, I think that's probably the most accessible for everybody. It's uh, at Damien underscore the all rounder. And I've just launched my new website, which uh, people can also get in touch with me there. And that is allroundercoaching.com. Um, and that's, I think the most simple way you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm pretty active on there. So yeah, just, uh, my name is Damien Schechter for anyone that wants to, uh, to type that in. I'm sure and don't will. worry, all those details will be in the show notes. So I've mm-hmm. made it, or I will make it very, very easy for people to be able to connect yeah. with you. So thank you very, very much. I have loved our conversation today. It has been absolutely fantastic. I know that people will have gotten a lot from the conversation. So thank you very much for your time. Leslie, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy and download my monthly Money Mindset Audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free money confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. 
Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.